I'm Hunter. And I'm Clay. And you're listening to episode three of The Good Fight. Now, for any of our longtime listeners who were here for episodes one and two, you might notice that we changed the intro up a little bit. We have Of the Orchard and Ben Van and Bogard to thank for that. So that intro is a clip from Ben Van and Bogard's song, Coffee. You can find that on iTunes, Spotify, any of your classic music sources. Ben is part of the band Of the Orchard. They're centered in the Twin Cities. Uh, they just released a new song called The Pains of Growing Up. So I encourage everyone to check that out. And thanks to those guys again for hooking us up with that cool new intro. Yeah, so to start today's episode, we're going to get into a little bit of the NHL. Uh, not a lot going on. Mostly rumors right now, the NHL rumor page blowing up. Uh, Nicholas Cronwall, longtime Detroit Red Wings defenseman, comes out and hints at the fact that this might be his last season in Detroit, if not the NHL in general. Cronwall has been a huge member of hockey over the years and is an extremely physical player known for his signature Cronwall hit. It's been exciting to watch him, and I can't imagine defensemen nowadays growing up without Cronwall in the NHL. So I guess we'll have to make sure we appreciate him this year going forward and hope to see him in a uniform next year. It is kind of funny for me. I was hearing you talk about the NHL, where I'm coming from. Little to no NHL background. I'll, I'll just come out with that. Clay's from Montana. It's big there. Big big hockey guy. Uh, so then the second rumor, Sam Reinhart with the Buffalo Sabres says he is looking to hopefully sign a big deal. Now where this becomes an issue is what will that contract look like long term we've seen it in the nfl lately with odell beckham jr being compared to players and trying to find contract that fits where he thinks his caliber of play is sam reinhardt with a slow start last year but finishes the year with 37 points in his last 38 games so right at that point per game ratio which you hope gets him a deal that looks similar to dylan larkins as we talked about last episode which is a five-year six million dollar a year cap hit whereas a lot of other people might see him closer to a $4 million cap hit um, over the same five- or six-year deal. So it'll be interesting to see if Buffalo tries to get him. Buffalo's been struggling, as everyone knows, the last few years in the NHL, but with a lot of young talent and someone like Reinhardt, you definitely want to hang on to as building towards the future. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of contract he signs. And keep in mind that the NHL salary cap is far smaller than the NFL or NBA, so we're used to seeing guys signed for you know near 30 million dollars that's not a comparable deal to an nhl contract yeah the top end guys in the nhl are going to make 10 to 11 million tops per year per cap hit um and then a lot of solid players will make towards that four to eight million dollar range so when you say reinhardt signing possibly a five-year six million a year deal that's a pretty significant deal in the nhl whereas hunter alluded to that might be more of a smaller contract in a different sport and with that we're going to jump into our Wisconsin talk. It's been a couple days since our uh, Packers had their last preseason game where they took the Pittsburgh Steelers down 51 to 34. And I believe that's the highest scoring game they've had since 2010. Yeah, 51 points, obviously pretty fun to watch. Uh, quarterbacks all came out pretty solid again. Kaiser 7 of 12 with 149 yards and two touchdowns. Hundley went 6 of 9 for 77 yards. Boyle 4 of 7 for 35, not as big of a uh, impact, but again, Aaron Rodgers, two for four on his one drive, 35 yards, a touchdown, and every play on that drive, a pass. So feels good to have him back, and you know, it's A Rodge time again, baby. Yeah, I like that he took a subtle hit on the first play, nothing major, but kind of got him back into it, and then he did everything he could have wanted, catching him with 12 men on the field. That pass to Jimmy was fantastic, and on the pass to Graham, 
Devontae cooked his man and would have been open too if Aaron had been able to get the ball out that direction. So offense looked good. We probably won't see Aaron again this preseason, but doesn't look like we need to. He looks ready to roll. I'm glad you liked the hit because I was terrified about ready to pee my pants when I saw it. So uh, definitely glad to see him get up and keep going through it. And I think there's going to be a lot of Rodgers to Jimmy Graham in the end zone this year. That just that looked fun, just throwing it up and letting that big body, that basketball background go up and get it. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch, man. That's a note for all you fantasy football fans. Jimmy Graham, get him. Also, the other topic I guess I want to talk about with the NFL is the new hit rule, which... At first, we had a couple weeks to see how it would be officiated, which is basically saying you cannot lower your head to initiate contact. And as we've seen from a couple of hits that have been flagged, you're kind of left wondering what is a defender supposed to do? Well, I think the one that you look at the most is the Viking sack. I mean, there's nothing else that could be done on that play. And as much as I love seeing the Vikings get flagged for anything, they're just all these hits in general. I really do understand the rule as a guy personally who suffered with concussions and have seen the effect it has on athletes I love the concept of wanting to protect players and protect the game and um, take care of players safety first but I feel like this rule is with any new rule in any league that you see it's hard to get a feel for it and I think it's been hard to watch players don't know what the rule is exactly and I think that's the hardest thing this rule is so obscure right now and things are getting called that make no sense and other ones are being left and it's just it's really confusing as a fan to watch yeah it does feel like the rule used to be don't lead with the crown of your helmet so the top of your head and now it appears to be just don't lead with your helmet at all but guys are getting flagged but it seems like they're trying to hit with their shoulder but it's not like you could just move your shoulder and not your head so if if it's called as it is now in the regular season it's going to kind of be like pass interference where you can almost throw a ball up or throw a guy across the middle and hope he gets hit and hope they flag that player for basically hitting a guy really hard. Well, I think that's a good point to bring up. That could almost lead to more dangerous hits because if quarterbacks are looking, you hope that a quarterback doesn't purposely lead a wide receiver across the middle, but if you're third and long, why not throw a five-yard across the middle and hope that you might get a call on a linebacker lowering his head on your wide receiver? So I think I'm hoping that's not something that is done, but there's definitely just so many question marks with this rule change right now. I mean, it's a violent game, and you can try to limit that, but at some point it's just it's got to be violent. With that, we're going to transition a little bit into the Badgers. So they're currently in the midst of two-a-days, but the big news with them is two announcements that came out. First, we had the first uh, AP Top 25 poll in which the Badgers came in at number four. That's the highest they've ever debuted. I believe they also debuted that high in 2000, but obviously in a season where we're trying to just get top four at the end so that we can make it to the playoffs, that's a good start for us. Well, I think it was interesting too. The coaching staff and some of the players when asked about it kind of laughed and said, we don't care anything about being ranked number four now as long as we are at the end. But it is realistic that the higher you start, the better off you are in this day and age with the way some of these rankings work and trying to climb out of a low ranking can be tough sometimes. So starting off at four, while it, again, it's not the end goal. It's not where they see themselves. Hopefully that's, that's not going to get them where they want to at the end. Starting there hopefully leads them to a good start and gets them to there at the end. Yeah. Their mantra so far has really been, nobody cares, work harder. And I like that. It doesn't matter where you start. It's about where you finish. So we'll hope they really can keep the momentum from last season and not drop the ball in the big 10 championship game again. Yeah, and that's, you know, everyone said it's kind of funny ranking them ahead of Ohio State just to see Wisconsin's heart get broken again in the end, but I really do think this is Wisconsin's year, so it'll be fun to watch. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Uh, So going off of that, we're going to transition. I know everyone's been saying for a couple weeks that football is officially back. 
uh, with preseason football. It's been fun, but I'm excited personally. The first college football game of the year at any level across the United States this year is Carroll College from Helena, Montana, playing this Thursday night against Rocky Mountain College on the road. Carroll College, I have a special place in my heart for them with Coach Mike Van Deest being my father and being a legendary coach there coming into his 20th season at Carroll College. But it'll be fun to watch them take on Rocky Mountain on the road. Carroll has had a struggle the last couple years, uh, bouncing back this next year, hopefully with a young quarterback in Reese Heibel, who I had the pleasure of working out with and watching throw this summer. And this kid's the real deal. He's got a power arm. Where's number 17? It's hard not to compare him a little bit to Josh Allen with a big arm out there. And he's from Wyoming. So I think Reese Heibel is going to have a big year. Carroll College takes on Rocky ranked Rocky Mountain College on the road in Billings at 6 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. So your board log on to ESPNMontana.com to listen to it on the radio, or check out Carroll Athletics page online to watch the live stream. Now I know, I know we've got a lot of dedicated D2 football fans out there. It's true, but for those of us who just love watching football and who love competitive, you know, regular season games, can finally get a taste for that again this Thursday. Yeah, and again, it's a rivalry game, so it'll be a big crowd and just fun football back. You know, it's a regular season, not preseason. Um, first official college football game of the year. So if you're sitting at home Thursday night waiting for Saturday with your uh, anticipation, might as well turn on Thursday night football and watch Carroll College hopefully pull out a win on the road. Now, speaking of football and violence in the game, I also want to talk about uh, some guys who maybe aren't as violent as they should be in what they consider violence, I guess, however you want to word it, but what we're talking about is brawls in baseball. Yeah, so baseball and football the last week or so here has had multiple uh, altercations, I guess you could call them. I can't, it's hard for me to call them brawls, even though that's what they're definitely called in the papers, but two baseball bench clearings back to back, one of them after the Acuna hit uh, in the Braves game, pretty dirty play by Miami. Acuna goes three straight games with a leadoff home run, setting an MLB record. And the next game, when he goes to leadoff, gets beamed on the first pitch at a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. So uh, that obviously was going to lead to a bench-clearing brawl. Nothing really happened. Again, no punches or anything. Pitch rejected. And then later on, Yasiel Puig gets into it with a catcher for the Giants and another brawl, as you'll say it. But again, no big punches thrown or anything and uh, Hunter's got a fun point about that one yeah Andrew McCutcheon uh, outfielder for the Dodgers did say afterwards that brawls for outfielders are basically you run up there to support your team he said he thought about hitting a karate pose because the fight was basically done by the time he got there but I feel like fights in baseball for the most part seem to be guys needing to act tough the brawls between two players and the whole team's out there to try to look tough try to support their guy but come on let's just get on with the game and also the whole idea that because Akuna Matata went out there and hit three dingers three days in a row that you're going to throw at the guy grow up yeah like again let's have some competitive nature if I was a pitcher and I would want to have the challenge of going at him I would want to prove myself and kind of taking a coward's way out by hitting him I think you know he gets suspended six games which was a big struggle for me as a fan because as a starting pitcher he's only going to miss one start with that so I think there needs to be some sort of rule change with suspending starting pitchers because that's just a coward's move to do that and then he gets to come back only missing one start but you know both of those fights are, are funny as a hockey guy to call those brawls when I've seen actual brawls in my life but again with the NFL as well it's been it's been interesting a lot of uh, a lot of tensions flaring up this is coming from a former Canadian enforcer in Clavin D so <laughs> got a good hook got a- a lot, of, a lot of fights. That left hook, you know, that's about all I got going for me right now. 
you know, God gives everyone different gifts. Clay got a left hook. I was hoping for some better ones, but, you know, take the gifts you got. And speaking of baseball, we've also got the Little League World Series going on, kind of taking us from some, I guess, sad fights to some more pure sport and for the purity of the game in the Little League World Series. And the Little League World Series has perhaps produced the greatest highlight it has ever produced, the greatest sound bit of all time. And, I mean, well, we'll let you guys listen to it, listen to the... The wise, wise words of Al D'Elia. Big Al. Hi, my name's Alfred D'Elia. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dangers. I can't listen to that enough. I feel like I've listened to it every, multiple times a day, every day. I'm, I'm not very tech savvy, but I kind of want to find a way to get that as my alarm clock every morning and just wake up starting my day thinking about the fact that I can go out each day and hopefully be as successful as Big Al and go hit some dingers in life. I just can't get over the swagger and the confidence to go out and say it. And then after that, to go out and hit a dinger in a game. That's, that's literally the best part of the whole thing. Not only does he actually joke about it beforehand in the pregame interview, but then goes out and is actually hitting dingers. You know, you put your money where your mouth is, and Big Al did that all the way. Yeah, so Big Al, we love you, man. We're big fans. I don't know if we can get a jersey. I don't know if we can get you on the podcast. You're on like actual late night shows and kind of a big deal. And you just started your rap career, I saw. So not sure if we can get you on here, but big, big Al fan. Yeah, keep on keeping on. For any of you who are looking to check out the Little League World Series, there are some uh, some more games going on. And then the semifinals are on Friday with the championship coming in on Saturday. Uh, so back really quick while we're on baseball, give you a Brewers update. Brewers are sitting at 70 and 57. Uh, they're four and six in their last 10. They are sitting in that first wild card spot right now, only a half game up of Philadelphia, St. Louis, and Colorado, who are all three tied for that second wild card spot. So, again, tough fight for them. They've won two straight against, they beat Cincinnati the other day, five to two in their most recent game, but they are still three games back of the Chicago Cubs. So, uh, we'll see how they do. They're holding on for dear life right now in that wild card spot. It seems like every year at about this time, the Brewers tank. So hopefully they can right the ship, make the playoffs. But right now, uh, hope appears to be fleeting. I guess we'll find out. Four and six and still holding on. I don't know how that's even possible, but you take what you can get and see if they can just hold on to that last possible game. Now, moving on to uh, the good fight this week, we have Packers punter J.K. Scott. For those of you who don't know, uh, J.K. Scott is actually a huge proponent of working with his faith. He's spoken on out about uh, at worship services you can find some of his talks on youtube and in an interview back in rookie camp he said when asked about uh, how he got through the clutter you know he played in big games coming from alabama in playoff and national championship games but he said i know that for my life in general god's got me he's got a plan for my life and it's further beyond football he's got me here right now he's who my identity is in so that plays a big role in keeping my mind off the clutter and nervousness and more on just having fun And I think he does a really good job at saying what it's about. You know, when we talk about what does faith have to do with sports, in a big sense it has almost nothing to do with sports, but it has something to do with it in that faith is supposed to have a role in all parts of our lives, and it's supposed to infiltrate everything that we do. And if sports are a big part of our life, that means that faith has to play a role there. Yeah, and, you know, he's talked about it a couple times, about his faith in general and how that's a big part of being able to handle the pressures in the way that he has to live 
being a punter drafted in the fifth round by the Green Bay Packers, you know you're going to get some ridicule. You know you're going to get some fans coming at you and some reporters coming at you. And I think his faith hopefully will be a big factor in the way that he can handle some of that criticism and high expectations getting drafted as a punter. But, you know, he's been at the highest stage the last four years at Alabama and has continued to live that faith aspect in his life. And so hopefully he continues to be that great example to young athletes everywhere. Really to people in any profession, I think he speaks a great truth that is our identity isn't in what we do and not in what we have. Our identity should fall on our faith and our identity in God. And I think he's a representative of what that means and in how we live that out. So JK, we're glad to have you, my man. Yeah. And you know, any excuse for me to cheer for an extra Packer guy is always fun. And uh, J.K. Scott wearing number six, which has been my lifelong number, and being a man of Christ is just an extra added bonus to cheer for him. So uh, I'm with Hunter. I'm kind of ready to go out and get my J.K. Scott jersey pretty soon and rock that to some games. Yeah, Packers Pro Shop, uh, this is our message to you. Put some J.K. Scott jerseys in there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's got to be at least the second highest selling jersey behind Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't who else could be better deal than J.K. Scott out there? Right. I mean, okay, you've got at least two purchases locked up here, and then I assume his family is going to get some. So just consider it. Just keep it in mind. Uh, now we're changing things up a little bit at the end. No super fight this week. We have a different debate for you, and that is regarding some new Notre Dame uniforms that dropped within the past week. So Notre Dame is going to be playing Syracuse at Yankee Stadium later this year, and they dropped some Yankee-specific uniforms that they're going to be wearing. Now I'll try to describe these uniforms best I can well uh, on here but we will be tweeting out a photo of these uniforms on our twitter account at the good fight pod again follow us on twitter it's at the good fight pod so the uniforms they have pinstripe pants so classic yankees look then navy jerseys with uh, a yankee style font on the numbers and then again they have pinstripe shoulders with a black helmet and the logo on the side of the helmet is like notre dame the ND, but in the Yankee style with some pinstriping. And then they've got some Yankee uh, font to write out Notre Dame on the jersey. So, Clay, I'm going to let you go first. What do you think of these? Well, the connection with Notre Dame to New York has been something that they've talked about, Brian Kelly's talked about in the past as a good recruiting tool to get out to Notre Dame and get to an area where fans can watch games. But this whole connection with the Yankees just drives me crazy. We are not the Yankees, and I am, and I say we as the biggest Notre Dame fan ever. Notre Dame is so classy with the gold helmets, and I know they've done some alternate uniforms recently, but they've still been Notre Dame. We're not the Notre Dame Yankees. We're still the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I get that the game is a pinstripe game at Yankee Stadium, but we're not the Yankees. Why are we trying to be the Yankees? The Yankees is the most hated team ever. We're a beloved, awesome team. And Notre Dame is just something so special and unique. And for us to be trying to make ourselves the Yankees, it's just frustrating to watch. I just, I mean, I don't, I get that you don't have to do the classic gold helmet. You can do an alternate uniform, but do an alternate Notre Dame uniform. Don't do a New York Yankees uniform. We're not from New York. We're not anywhere out there. We're South Bend, Indiana. Like, it just makes no sense to me. So, Clay, if you can't tell, is a bit of a snobby Notre Dame fan. But me, as just an appreciation... All, all, all Notre Dame fans are snobby. I'm not the You can only tell one. if somebody's a Notre Dame fan not by asking them. They'll tell you within the first five minutes of knowing them. Now, uh, as just an appreciator of fine uniforms and fine things, I really like the uniforms. I'm a big pinstripe fan, so I like the way they look. I do think that the sleeves look a little dumb 
if you buy the jersey, the full sleeve is pinstriped. It's not a good look. But on the kind of new wave uniforms where they got the shoulders tight to the shoulder pads, it's just kind of like the shoulder panel on the side is pinstriped. I like that look. Overall, I think it's okay to take a dip from the norm for a little bit uh, for just the one game in Yankee Stadium. I guess I can appreciate that. And while I'll be curious to see how they look in-game, based on the promo picture they released, I, I got to say I'm, I'm a fan and I'm going to be excited to watch them. So the big question, though, as anyone who's actually a Yankees fan knows, they always, fans and media always joke about their players earning their pinstripes. So I'm curious, uh, are there going to be some upset people that Notre Dame has not earned these pinstripes? They're not Yankees. They didn't earn the stripes. Uh, are they going to have to come out and win to earn the stripes? Or what if what if the Yankees... Uh, aren't okay with them earning the sprite earning the stripes i'm just i'm very there's a lot of factors into this there's the Notre Dame fans that don't like it there's the yankee fans thinking they didn't earn the stripes to be able to wear it i just i'm very curious to see what happens here yeah okay instead of calling them a snowflake if you're a yankee fan who thinks that notre dame didn't earn their stripes i'm gonna call you a frosted flake from here on out <laughs> frosted flake anyway ladies and gentlemen that's all we've got for you this week again run the race keep the faith and until next time fight the good fight Big Al, take us out.